0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile.
1: Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, everybody. It is officially in the books, the first week of college football with the NFL season Going to be in full swing beginning on Thursday. Kansas City and Detroit. Will the Detroit Lions get their doors blown off by Patrick Mahomes in week one? Or will we see maybe a similar result as some of the top college football games this past week? And I don't have any other words to describe some of the action in college football this week other than Wow. Including the ultimate conclusion to the week last night. In Durham, Clemson and Duke. ACC game, first week of the year. Typically don't see that a lot out of the ACC. Where there's a conference game that starts the year. And well, I'm sure Clemson would have liked that to be the case. Duke absolutely destroyed. Destroyed the Clemson Tigers, and it wasn't even close. Clemson shanked a 28-yard or so field goal, 30-yard field goal on fourth down and goal with a great position to try to score, already trailing in the game. Duke won 28-7. to seven. I mean, this isn't a basketball game between Duke and Clemson where you expect Duke to win every single time. The number nine Clemson Tigers... Dabo Sweeney's dominant bunch that has absolutely crushed the ACC for years upon years. This is Duke's first AP Top 10 win since 1989. But it puts into the fact of, really, how week one, especially, is anybody's game. Anybody's game. There were so many outcomes that were surprising, you didn't expect, including Colorado, Deion Sanders beating TCU, the defending national champion runner-up, TCU lost by three, 45 to 45-42 at home, 17th in the country. Iowa only beat Utah State by 10, 24-14, but that's kind of typical of what you see from Iowa football. Low-scoring game. Run the ball. Ohio State did not look very good at Indiana. Another conference game. Big 10 matchup as Ohio State has a ton of question marks at quarterback. A ton. This is not the same Justin Fields-led team, or this is not... Cardell Jones, J.T. Barrett, definitely not C.J. Stroud either. Kyle McCord has been getting run as well as Devin Brown, but it was McCord with his job to lose in Week 1 against Indiana, and might not have lost it yet, but it could be on the doorstep. As if you're another Big Ten opponent, if you're anybody that's in conversations with the College Football Playoff, the number 3 seed Buckeyes – They're in trouble a little bit, but it plays into the fact as well, at least for me, that it's so hard to judge how great a team is going to be by the first week of the college football season, because there's no preseason. This isn't like the NFL where you get three weeks, shake off the rust, get some run in against somebody wearing a different jersey than you, and I think that that can sometimes be evident. And that's part of the reason why a lot of teams play easy games to begin the year. Now, should Duquesne be playing Edinburgh, a D2 school? I heard from people from Duquesne that that was just an abysmal game from start to finish. Just so easy and, you know, it was kind of just upsetting for Edinburgh, the type of performance that ended up happening. But, I mean, whenever you're going one-on-one with a D1 FCS school against D2. What do you kind of expect? Locally, Robert Morris forgot about 20 jerseys on their flight out to Air Force. Which how somebody's got to get fired for that, right? Like your equipment manager or anybody, you're going to Air Force, you're collecting a bag, you're getting paid to go out to the Air Force. It might be a million dollars, whatever it is. And just go out and play the Air Force. Collect your money. Let Air Force go and get a win. They're in the Mountain West Conference, non-conference game, easy pick-ins, and you forget 20 of your jerseys? They were wearing Air Force practice jerseys for a while. So 42-7, to the final there. Pitt, steamrolled Wofford, 45-7. to What more can you expect? But Phil Dracovic looks pretty good. There's a lot of exciting things for the Panthers, including just the maturity level from Dracovic and being able to spread the ball around. They're... Wasn't that much of an opportunity to really see much of the top wide receivers just because of Pitt's computer and under dominance. So I'm excited to see what Jerkovic will do in this week's matchup against the Cincinnati Bearcats. 6-30 kickoff, Akershire Stadium. But one thing that will not be returning this year, according to our friend Noah Hiles of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, from a source, with the discontinuation of the annual series for Pitt and Cincinnati following the 2012 season, a mutual decision was made prior to this year's matchup to no longer present the paddlewheel trophy to the winning team. And Pitt fans are really upset about it. Somebody found what seemed like a replica of the trophy for like $2,000 online and trying to make it the next best thing. But last night's game from Duke and Clemson, does it say more about Duke? Or does it say more about Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers? And I also think about the Sunday night matchup. Last year, it was a phenomenal game. It came down to a missed extra point to decide the fate of who was going to win the matchup between LSU and Florida State. Not this time. Forty-five to twenty-four, the Seminoles absolutely routed the number five LSU Tigers. Florida State eight in the country. They're for real. Look, like I, I didn't really buy into the hype completely surrounding Florida State, and it was a quote-unquote neutral site game, but truly, it was more so of a home game for Florida State in Orlando. Jordan Travis looks like a Heisman candidate. He looks phenomenal. And the rushing attack was okay. But how about Keon Coleman? Three touchdown receptions. He played at Michigan State last year. How come Michigan State never got that guy to do anything remotely close to what he did and what he produced at Florida State in just one game? Johnny Wilson, seven receptions, 104 yards. And it makes me think, Right away, right off the bat, wow, the ACC going to be pretty strong this year. With Clemson, as well as Florida State, is that number two team. Florida State was ranked one spot higher, though. Pitt's going to have a good year. North Carolina with Drake May, who's going to be a top five pick at quarterback. Will he potentially go to the Arizona Cardinals? Because Caleb Williams supposedly might not want to go to Whoever's the number one team, depending on what team that that is, or he might go back to college. That might be just a bunch of hogwash, but rumors being floated out there. Plus, being able to have teams like Duke now surprising. I mean, and that's one thing that when I look at Pitt's schedule, I said eight and four, maybe nine and three, because it looks it looks daunting. Clemson's not on it. But you do have the team that just beat them by 21 points. The Duke Blue Devils with Riley Leonard are pretty solid. Then again, it is week one and who knows what can happen. But the final game of the year in the regular season for Pitt is at Duke. On November 25th at West Virginia is not going to be easy. North Carolina at home, it helps that you get the Tar Heels at home. At Virginia Tech, very tough place to play. At Wake Forest, at Notre Dame. To end October. Seems like that Notre Dame game is usually around Halloween. And usually it's kind of scary for Pitt. I think they got a good shot of going into Notre Dame and making it pretty competitive. Maybe pull out a win, but back-to-back games between Notre Dame and Florida State. Probably just going to win one of them. And I felt pretty good about Pitt defeating the Seminoles in Week 10. At home, but not as much anymore. Still feel decently confident, but Florida State looks legit like a college football playoff contender. At Syracuse, in the Pinstripe Bowl. Pinstripe Bowl. At Yankee Stadium, not technically the Pinstripe Bowl, but at Yankee Stadium, the host of where the Pinstripe Bowl is. That's going to be a unique matchup. Just because of the setting, the environment. You think of... Winter classics being played in football stadiums and baseball stadiums. And to be able to see that at Yankee Stadium is going to be you know, pretty cool, pretty neat for a regular season type of game. But for Duke, pretty impressive win, man. I mean, very fascinating to see how Duke is going to play this year. I did not expect much of them. They're a basketball school, and they're a high school on academics. So much so that quarterback Riley Leonard uh, didn't get an assignment done, but he's asking for a little bit of an extension. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight, I think, it's 12, so it may already be 12. Yeah, I think he's going to get that. When you upset the number 9 team in the country, a team that's had your number first AP Top 10 win, since 1989, fans storming the field. Yeah, pretty apparent that <laughs> I think you'll be able to get that to be the case. But one thing that I like to point to in college sports compared to the NFL is that there that is a factor. That if you don't play anybody before that week one game, which is why for some people, for some teams, it is smart. To be able to just play a Wafford week one. I mean, credit to other teams that didn't make that the case. But I mean, I'm sure that that's one thing that LSU is thinking in the back of their mind. We scheduled this Florida State matchup where if we played anybody else and then maybe Florida State next week, we could have had to potentially shake off the rust, see what we got. And I might be blowing that out of proportion a little bit too much. But I do think it is a factor. And it's tough to determine... How much it truly is the case, but good for Duke. Clemson is not the team that we think they are. If it was like a one possession, one score loss, okay. But Duke completely dominated them. While DJ Uyunglele, who transferred to Oregon State, Clemson benched him the last game of the year. They didn't want him. How about how the turn, how the tables turn, how the tide turns. He threw for five touchdowns for Oregon State. They are ranked. They are one of the only two teams remaining in the Pac-12 entering next season. Five touchdowns, they won. Clemson scored one. One touchdown. And part of that for Clemson, and one thing that we've seen is just if your quarterback is good, if your quarterback is great, the difference is going to be how you get into the college football playoff. Cade Klubnik, 24-47, 209 yards, a touchdown and interception. It was okay. They ran the ball fine. I like Will Shipley, the running back. 17 carries, 114 yards. Six and a half yards per carry. Probably should have ran the ball a little bit more. But Clemson, nothing worked in their favor. And now they're going to drop from 9 to 17. Maybe worse. Probably 17s around that area. And the ACC doesn't look as strong, but for Duke, helps to even it out a little bit. And credit the Blue Devils, great start to the year. Excited to see where this college football season goes with Pitt facing Cincinnati. Coming up on Saturday, West Virginia will play Duquesne. Why why Duquesne? I mean, I do like that West Virginia is playing Pitt, Penn State. And let's throw in Duquesne in there. Just because it's just so regional and college football is not regional anymore. So yeah, you know, I'll give West Virginia credit for that. But I mean, that's going to be in a completely a route. But at the same time, you get a tune-up for Pitt in that game. And for a lot of teams that don't get that week one tune-up, this is your opportunity. The wake-up shows presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work, 84 Lumber. Apply at 84Lumber.com. More college football. A little bit on the Steelers as well coming up. Fan Early Morning Show, 9 through 7 the fam. I'm Austin Bechtel, fan Early Morning Show. The Steelers have announced their captains for 2023. Yes, the show goes on all right as 2023 will begin on, well, the year has begun, but the season will begin on Sunday, Akrashur Stadium, formerly known as Heinz Field, which is now the current home of Alaquipa Football, as you might have. Heard on the KDKA game of the week last week, so the Steelers' captains—pretty self-explanatory, pretty expected, I would say. Let's start. Let's just start with the special teams and move our way up to what everybody wants to talk about—the offense. So, Miles Killebrew, is your special teams captain, second year in a row that that has been the case. Previously. Guys like Derek Watt, Jordan Dangerfield. I think we're potentially past the time of seeing kickers being named as the special teams captain. I know that was the case where, you know, guys like Jeff Reed, Sean Sweezom were were thought of as valuable guys to have locker room-wise for special teams. I'm not saying that that isn't the case for Chris Boswell, but I think Mike Tomlin and maybe so much Danny Smith— I like to name special teams captains based off of guys who are fitting the Jordan Dangerfield special. Kind of the Matthew Slater type of role, like he played in New England, but with the Steelers. And Jordan Dangerfield is pretty much that guy. The, the leader of the special teams unit makes a lot of tackles in that department, whether it be kick returns, punt returns. So I have no problem with Killebrew. That's his role. That's his job. I have no problem with him being the special teams captain. On the defensive side, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. Also, pretty expected, pretty self explanatory. TJ Watt has been a captain now for the third time. It's been, I think, nine consecutive years for Cam Hayward, dating back to 2015, which is honestly, you know, Cam Hayward is just the type of guy. Where I think a lot of people are surprised, he just continues to get better and better and better to the point where you really question, really wonder, why is that going to stop? And he has just gotten exponentially better from when he was in his age 25, 26, 27 season to now in his early to mid 30s at 34. That's a credit to Hayward and how he works. How he has adapted to the game, how he has been able to maneuver his body and just work himself into positions where he can thrive as the number one guy. And he has gotten better since flipping the calendar to 30, flipping the page. So he, there's no doubt in anybody's mind, is the unquestioned leader of the defense alongside TJ Watt. I'm a little surprised that Minka did not get... Accolated as a captain, considering so many people consider on the Steelers' defense there to be a big three. I guess if you only make one captain on the offensive side of the ball and two on the defensive side, do you want to put so many guys on defense as a captain? I don't really know if that matters so much. If they're worthy, they're worthy. So maybe a little bit surprised by Minka. But Watt and Hayward are the unquestioned picks there. And on the offensive side of the ball, not anybody on the offensive line. Not anybody in the wide receiving core. Or not Pat Fryermuth. Najee Harris was a captain last year. He's not this year. Welcome to being a captain, KP8, Kenny Pickett. I mean, you know, it was going to happen at some point, right? But in his second year... Pickett is a captain. I saw something, and it that took five years for Ben Roethlisberger to be named a captain. So for Pickett, it continues to add into this—I don't want to say notion or theory, but belief—and what he is just put out there on the field. What is just so evident when Kenny Pickett stands on the field that he believes that he is one of the baddest and baddest human beings on the football field at any given time, by confidence, not arrogance. He has a little bit of a swagger to him. Kenny Pickett is a respectful person. You can tell in the interviews that he does. I saw it at training camp with interactions with fans. He he gets it. When I talked to Gary Daniels at Big Ten Media Day about a month and a half ago, he talked about how it's important for the quarterback to win the fifth quarter which is handling the media, handling the fans, the maturity aspect of the game. And Kenny Pickett does that. And he is unquestionably deserving of being a captain. And by his comeback drives in the fourth quarter of last year's season for the Steelers, 2-6 and looked bleak, looked like you were talking about a top-five draft pick. And then they were banging on the door of a playoff appearance late in the year after defeating the Raiders and Baltimore in back-to-back weeks. So, Mitch Trubitsky and Najee Harris were captains last year. Why was Trubitsky voted a captain? Maybe that was just so much of the sort of everything that he had to go through, and people, I don't know if they felt bad for him, but they still respected Trubitsky. So it's Kenny Pickett on offense, Hayward and TJ Watt on defense, and Killebrew in special teams. They will all be playing on Sunday against San Francisco, Now, who's going to be playing for San Francisco is a completely different question. Nick Bosa currently does not have a contract. Well, not one of his liking. He is holding out, unlike when T.J. Watt held in a couple years ago and got his big deal. Bosa wants more money than what Watt received as becoming the highest played pass rusher, highest played defensive player. And he wants money rivaling, rivaling Aaron Donald. Which, I don't think anybody should be paid the way Aaron Donald is. Best defensive player in football. First ballot Hall of Famer. Penn Hills and Pitt alum. But also, George Kittle is banged up. And he potentially might not play on Sunday. That's huge. Kittle went healthy and went in full force. Is probably the one B to Debo Samuel as one A as the most dynamic players on the 49ers offense. But then again, they have Christian McCaffrey, so if you this would have been this time last year, you probably say that that might be the case. But I'm still putting them up there in the upper echelon as a top five tight end in the league and one of the best players on the 49ers entire offense. So if Kittle can't go and takes away a weapon, and Nick Bosa doesn't play. They still have Armstead on the defensive line. Javon Hargrave, who they signed over from Philadelphia. Cleon Farrell is number one on their depth chart at defensive end. Remember how disastrous his tenure went? Former Clemson guy, high draft pick, fourth overall to the Raiders. Javon Kinglaw at defensive tackle. They're very deep. Linebacking, in course, fantastic. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. If the 49ers, though, don't have Bosa. Who is their T.J. Watt? You saw what it was like for the Steelers without T.J. Watt on the field. I mean, it was a complete and utter mitigated disaster without T.J. Watt for the Steelers. So, when you look at that and you look at their record with Watt and without Watt, I would not be surprised if a similar thing is the case for San Francisco. And it's a better chance that the Steelers can win this game. More coming up next, including... A little bit of congratulations and great job to a couple of people this past weekend. I'm Austin Bexler, Fan Early Morning Show. Final minute here on the Fan Early Morning Show. Let's give some love to some people including the Pirates who have now won six of their last seven games. Ten games under 500. The Buccos have already exceeded their win total from last season. Something that you know, you wanted to see the Pirates end this season strong. And that is evident. That is the case right now. Also, how about the statement that Drew Aller made for Penn State football on Saturday night against West Virginia? Aller became the second quarterback in team history. In team history, on a list of Penn State quarterbacks to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in an opener. Daryl Clark was the other, the only other quarterback. An hour stepping up in the pocket, first touchdown deep to Keandre Lambert-Smith. Yeah, they got a good one. And potentially somebody who could take them very deep and very far into the conversation this year, especially with Ohio State having quarterback struggles and Michigan being a top team. But Jim Harbaugh suspended for the early part of this year. Who knows what could happen in the Big Ten. I'm Austin to Fan Early Morning Show. The pre-show is next here on Sports Radio, 92.7 The Fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.